Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, this is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello. Football is officially in the air. And just like that, we lose Chris right off the jump. How about that? <laughs> hey, guys, welcome into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not done so already. And hit the bell notification to get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite pod. App. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I'm literally watching football in the background right now. It's an amazing thing. It's a Hall of Fame game. We're not taking anything from this. I already posted out, you know, on social media earlier, just PSA, preseason matters not at all. We've seen tons of guys not play well or not or play really well and then wind up amounting nothing in the regular season. We care about what reps they're getting in practice during training camp, what the official depth chart is going to be when the season kicks off. So keep that in mind. But nonetheless, it is nice to finally see football back on the television. I got Danielle here. Danielle, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited for this best ball draft here. I am so stoked. Yes, we got the best ball mock draft. I wanted to do this episode because this is going to be the last time we really get the chance to talk about best ball because we're going to be redrafting or I should be transitioning into the redrafting that is August because that's everybody and their mother is going to be doing that over the next four or five weeks until we finally have kickoff come Thursday night with the Chiefs and the Lions. I cannot wait for that. Chris, do we have you in the building? I believe that you do. If How you been? You've been me. missed like three weeks. Yeah, it's been a been a battle trying to get online, trying to get my internet set up here. Affinity, uh, you're not doing a great job, um, but yeah. So hopefully we're not sponsored by them. But uh, <laughs> um, just excited to be back on the show. Excited to do some practice. Shout out Xfinity, you suck. That's why I switched to Verizon years ago. All right, we got a guest that so we got to properly introduce. So let's do it. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. He's in the top right corner of your screen. Host of the Coach's Fantasy Podcast, Mr. Steven Pintado. <laughs> what an intro. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? Obviously, I'm Steve. Welcome to myself here to the show. How's everyone? doing great happy to have you on the show for sure uh I'm glad you're able to make it on steve and i go back uh what a few years now we've been kind of oh, going off of each other's shows you i think were one of my first guests on the show with me and my buddy when we first started doing this way back in 19 and we thought we knew what we were doing we had you come on the show and you just went off on everything you know and Everything was just like, oh, we know nothing about fantasy football and numbers and everything. And this man knows what he's talking about. So uh, it was a it was an eye opener. Great show. Made us have to do better than what we were. But a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We were getting a little little static back from here. Chris, I'm going to kick you real quick. Come right back in if you can. And we'll try to get that sorted out. Uh, guys, like I said, we had the best ball mock draft. Steven's gracious enough to get on. Let's get to it. Because what we want to do here is we're going to get through as many of these rounds as we can. Most best ball mock drafts, of course, are about 22 rounds. I do have this set up through Sleeper. We're going to talk about some values, some strategies. And as we go through these players, talk about some of the things we've been hearing about in camp and where our overall value is on them right now. So let's go ahead and get this thing started, shall we? The number one pick goes to Justin Jefferson and Christian McCaffrey 
And then we got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Steven Potato. You're up. Yes, if I could just get it up, that would be the big thing. <laughs> and that that does tend that does tend to help. So uh, when we're doing when we're doing best ball, Danielle, uh, what's typically your strategy going into these things? Are you just taking the best player available to you on the board, or do you have a certain angle you're trying to work? And it kind of depends on what you're looking for. I usually look for the most consistent players because obviously you can't touch it after the draft. So you're just really hoping you choose someone that you know you can rely on week after week. Okay, okay. And some people try to go for it. Steve, he makes his first pick. He goes to Jamar Chase, who is my number one ranked wide receiver. I like to pick, Steve. Walk us through that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty obvious pick. The, these top three picks in a general sense is – I would go any direction there if they were on the board at this point. I mean, Jamar Chase, fantastic wide receiver that's going to put up big numbers each and every week. And so, so for best ball, you want someone who puts up big numbers for you consistently all season long. So getting a guy like Chase, hopefully, you know, Burrow has no issues throughout the season. It's going to be a match made in heaven, especially with the third pick. It's great. I like it a lot. <laughs> That's right. Danielle, you came back with Travis Kelsey going for that edge at the position. Walk me through that one. So we talked about this actually last week about if you're going to take Kelsey at the number five spot in the first round of a draft. And it is hard to say, but he is so overpowering at tight end. I just couldn't pass it up. I was getting really close to sneaking for a Chubb or a Bijan, but I think I just I just had to go with Kelsey this time. I wish we could talk to Chris, but he did go with Nick Chubb with his pick in the sixth pick. Nick Chubb's moving up my board. I had him at six. I now actually have him as the RB4 overall. Just loving more and more what I'm hearing about how Jerome Ford is not going to – we already knew he's going to not have the Kareem Hunt role, but it's pretty much been solidified that Chubb's been catching the ball more out of the backfield. What were you going to say, Steve? I was saying I, I absolutely love that. I think Nick Chubb is like my top five running back right now to this coming season. He now, should be I a big workload. I, I agree. And he's been the, one of the best runners ever uh, over the last few years. Anyway, now we finally give him an actual workload. What happens, for instance, Derrick Henry, what, last year had 40, 45 targets? What happens if Nick Chubb can get to 50? What does that outlook look like for him? That's what gets me excited about Nick Chubb. There's another guy I'm really excited about, though, and that is a Mr. Bijan Robinson, who I just, as of this morning, into doing more research and thinking about this thing more closely, made him my number one running back overall. I put him one spot ahead of Christian McCaffrey. That is my guy heading into this year. I don't doubt the talent. I don't doubt the role. And I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. When you look at McCaffrey, while I love him, love the system, love the fit, and he'll be fantastic, I have no problem with anybody he wants to take him number one. Elijah Mitchell, who granted did get hurt again today, but he's going to be back by next week. When he's out there, he was getting almost 50% of the carries. Now, while McCaffrey and his efficiency in that team will still be an elite RB1, it's enough volume taken away. When I look at a Bijan Robinson matched up with an Arthur Smith, matched up with what an offensive line I think is going to be one of the top offensive lines we get to see this year. I just have this feeling that he's going to be my guy and he might get the most touches out of all the running backs on top of his special talent. After that, we came back, computer picks, 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 and then I come back with Devontae Adams with my second round pick. Very excited about this one. First of all, Devontae Adams, I have not wavered on him at all. I've had Garrett Wilson at six. I've had Adams at seven. I am not moving him below a C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown. Why am I not moving him below those guys? Because he gets it done no matter who it is. He doesn't need Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't need Derek Carr. This is a guy I remember could get games done with Brett Hundley. I don't know who else they're going to go to with the ball that consistently, and the Raiders are going to be in a lot of comeback from behind game scripts. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a downgrade from Derek Carr. I don't need Devontae Adams to catch 80-yard bombs in order to get his fantasy value going. I'm all about Devontae Adams on the second floor, and I am loving Loving how my draft is starting off so far. And it's the ninth pick. I said this before the show. I think the ninth pick is one of the hardest places to draft from. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I feel like it is because I feel like there's a teardrop off somewhere at that back end there where you're just like the first seven or eight picks. There's there are players that you could go and say, oh, I want this pick, want this, want this pick here. 
in that seven, eight, nine, that eight, nine range there, it kind of is like, do I reach for someone? Do I not? Do I take a safe pick here? And then you have that back end where you can you can have a safer pick when you get like the what you see on the board there. You know, you see AJ Brown and CD Lamb. That's I'd love to have that there in the back end. But in that middle round, it's like, ah oh, man, there's there's just players there that have question marks, and I feel like you might be taking somebody too early, especially in that first round. It's definitely not a position I want to be in. I can understand that. I can understand. So we got Danielle. We come back to you for the second. And Chris went Najee Harris, by the way. Uh, Danielle, we came back to you, and you take the chance on a Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite as I literally on Sunday was like, yeah, you know, maybe don't buy into him super high. And then yeah, I bought into him super high because of the position that I was in right there. Um, but, you know, I still do love him. I just am going to say that he's not going to be the main producer that he was like he was last year. Last year was insane, and I don't think he's going to put up those kind of numbers again. I think he's going to be still very good and very reliable, though, because he was very consistent last year. And so I am looking at that consistency again going into this season. So I can feel confident having him as my running back going into this season. It, it, look, there was notice today that the Raiders are open to talking to Josh Jacobs. There, there hasn't been any movement yet, but that's at least a stepping stone in the right direction. This is how I look at the Jacobs situation. It's actually the same way I look at the J.K. Dobbins situation. If they can get back by August 20th, which is about two weeks from now, it's on a Sunday. If they get back by then, they still have three weeks to ramp up. I don't need my running backs getting a ton of workload in training camp for them to be good to go. If it takes longer than that, then I will start to be a little bit concerned about what their output is actually going to be. But for now, I'm not going to wither on Josh Jacobs, who I do have ranked as my RB8 as of this moment. We get back to Steve, and he goes Tony Pollard, another fan favorite. Oh, yeah. I, this this one, you know, people would have said, oh, why didn't you take Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, like guys that were ranked clearly ahead of him, especially on the sleeper app. But Tony Pollard, to me, I feel like he's ascending in the right way. No more Zeke. He's got the backfield to himself. Mike McCarthy's already said he wants them to run the ball more. There's no one else in that backfield there that really can compete to the level Tony Pollard has given us. Um, and he he reminds me of a, a Austin Eckler. Like Austin Eckler took time before he actually started to ascend in his career. And I think Tony Pollard is about to get to that potion here. And he's going to have a lot of big weeks for us. And then best ball, solid RB1 to grab for yourself. I can't disagree with that. You came back. You took my guy. You took my guy. I was hoping he was going to come back around, and he screwed me, and that's why I wound up going with somebody else. But you took Garrett Wilson. I've been on the Garrett Wilson train since day one. This guy legitimately could be a top five receiver this year. Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought he wouldn't come back to me. I was I was pretty convinced that he wasn't, but obviously the computers wanted to take quarterbacks, and I'm pretty happy about that because – uh, Garrett Wilson is in for a really strong season here. 140 targets last year with mediocre quarterback play at best. Now you have a efficient quarterback in Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. I expect big play out of him this coming season here. More touchdowns, more efficiency with his targets and receptions. Love him in the third round. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. I know. I know, Reese Bobby. I missed. That was my bad. <laughs> Oh, Danielle, we go back to you. You go with Devonta Smith in your third round pick. I like the value there. Devonta Smith in the second round has been eh, not really where I want to go, but in the third round, I do like that value. Yeah, it was good value for him. And when I was looking at the other talent around that area, it just seemed like he was obviously the best pick out of the uh, the remaining wide receivers at that time. I think Smith is very talented. There's no doubt in my mind that he won't, that he will have a lot of touches this year. I think this is a very solid pick for a wide receiver. I think he should be consistently good throughout the season. So I'm not too worried about him going into this season. All right. I like that. Chris came back with him under Stevenson went three running back strong. And then I came back with Jameer Gibbs. Now, I want to be real clear about this. David Montgomery's going to have a big role. And in redraft leagues, there are other guys I like there more. And Alexander Madison, for instance, Joe Mixon, who I actually wound up taking in the next round. 
But the reason I go with Jameer Gibbs in that third round is because this is a best ball league. I am looking for blow-up games and guys who can deliver them for me. We know Gibbs is going to have a couple of RB1 performances this season with how the Lions throw the ball, especially Jared Goff checking it down to the running back. So that's why I elected to go with Jameer Gibbs in that spot. And as I kind of mentioned, I came back in the fourth round and I took Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon in the fourth round is ridiculous. It's stupid. Uh, I don't know what everyone is not paying attention to this is not March when we thought he might be off the team this is August he's taking his pay cut he's on the team there's nobody to steal anything there's no Samaja Perrine I don't care about anybody Chase Brown or all these guys these guys who don't pass protect Joe Mixon is going to be a three down back oh by the way Cincinnati got an offensive line this offseason I think that's what everyone's overlooking so look out might not be the prettiest thing in the world but he's going to get a ton of volume. He's finished as a top 12 running back three of the last four years. I expect this to continue with Joe Mixon. So I could not pass up on him, even though I wanted to go wide receiver right there in that fourth round. Thoughts? Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think that that would have been my move. However, due to the situation and you really can't pass up him when you're when you you described it very well and the situation that you're in. So you know you backed it up with enough evidence that I guess I can I can go along with it. But it's not my draft though. So <laughs> I, I think Daniel it, said screw you. <laughs> that's a bold statement. <laughs> All right, we're just moving on here. We get back to uh I think I skipped over Chris's fourth round pick. He took Justin Fields there in the, especially in the best ball league. Don't mind taking the quarterbacks earlier. Danielle, you went with Justin Herbert, one of the guys that I've been on a lot this year. Yes. And once I saw the quarterbacks kind of start going off, I said I had to pick one that I really was fond of before they were all gone. And I felt really bad about my quarterback because something about fantasy is I want a good quarterback that I can consistently believe in week after week. And we talked about this not too long ago about Justin Herbert and how we're really excited about him this year. And I am really excited about him as well. We got a new offensive coordinator here coming in. It seems like this is a perfect situation for him. He already is a great quarterback, so this should help elevate him either more. So I feel like it's just positives all around for him. Okay. Well, moving on then. I got nothing to add to that. We got we got quarterback frenzy here in this uh this fourth round with you guys. Trevor Lawrence coming off the board to Steven Pentado. Yeah, I mean, I just I really wanted an elite quarterback. Um, just the way sometimes I like to play my game here. I could have waited. There's a couple of good players I could have waited for, but I felt like grabbing Trevor Lawrence now made made a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I'm expecting a, another level in his game this coming season with the addition of Calvin Ridley. Uh, and a stronger run game this coming year, second year in Doug Peterson's offense here. Uh, I mean, I'm expecting bigger and better things from the guy who we all call, you know, franchise cornerstone coming into the draft. So, And if the Calvin really thing hits, it, he could go off like Donkey Kong. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Trevor Lawrence, I talked about this with the tight ends. Find where your cutoff is so that for your elite status. And for tight ends, for instance, mine was number eight, Pat Fryermuth. Well, guess what? It's the same for the quarterbacks for me this year. My number eight quarterback is Trevor Lawrence, and that's kind of my cutoff point where if I'm going to go for one of the elite quarterbacks, I'm trying to make sure I get one of those guys. Now, in this draft, I'm going to be waiting because some of the other options that I will look a little bit deeper into it, but he is that cutoff point for me. So I do like the pick there. What about DJ Moore in a best ball league in the fifth round? Yeah, I mean, I could say that it's, I'm slightly concerned that the upside might not be there, obviously, but sometimes to go with some of the other wide receivers that I have that are really big upside plays, I like to grab a guy like DJ Moore who is going to be a steady contributor on my team. He might not have the boom weeks that like Wilson and Chase are probably going to have every single week, but he's not going to give me a bad week either. So he's going to be, be consistent in production, I think, week in and week out. He's probably going to lead this team in targets. There's not going to be a receiver or a pass catcher on this Bears team who doesn't have at least 100 targets this season. It's going to be at least DJ Moore. And I do expect a rise in this Bears offense, especially in the passing game. Oh, you better hope Justin Fields can take a next step up. But otherwise, I'm hoping. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Especially in a best ball league for DJ Moore. But we'll have to see what happens. If he does take that next step up, hey, you know, maybe this is another Josh Allen, another Philadelphia Eagle thing. I kind of doubt it. But maybe it's a little bit better than what it was last year when Darnell Mooney wasn't even fantasy relevant as the number one wide receiver. Danielle, we come back to you, and you take your boy, Drake London, who you've been seeing up close and personal all offseason long. Yes, and I honestly at first was like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that right after I chose him because of all of the talent on the Falcons offense, and we just know that there's not going to be a consistent guy that they look towards. However, Drake is just that guy, it seems like, in Atlanta, and also I just couldn't pass up on the talent. I mean, he was sitting there waiting. I I can't pass up on a talent like Drake London for wide receiver, so I kind of had to take him, I felt like, but... I do feel a little bit nervous due to the share of offense, um, all the talent. It's just going to be very interesting. So that, I don't necessarily feel the most confident in that pick, but at the end of the day, it was Drake London. So it's, it's okay. I think Desmond Ritter, and I've been on the record saying this many times, can only really feature one guy at a time. And I think that guy is going to be Drake London. Sorry, Kyle Pitts, guys. I think it's going to be another year of disappointment. That's why it's my tight end seven this year. It's going to be a little inconsistent. We'll have to see how long Desmond Ritter can hang on to the job. Chris went with Chris Godwin. That's right up there with the DJ Moore pick from Steve, I think, right in the same boat. Can you get decent quarterback play? Otherwise, it might be a bit of a murky situation in the best ball format. I went with Darren Waller. I wanted to make sure I got one of my top tight ends if I wasn't going to get one of my top quarterbacks. Injury thing aside, the guy's coming in with a chip on the shoulder. I like players who do that, like who had the injury history. They come in with an offseason with something to prove. They usually come in a little bit more prepared, and it winds up paying off as the year goes on. And if it wasn't for... You know, TJ Hawkinson getting the crazy target share that he did last year. I would have Darren Waller as my third tight end. As I have it, I have him my number four tight end, and yet you're getting him consistently as a sixth, seventh tight end off the board. That's what I like a lot about Darren Waller. I like him here in the fifth round, back into the fifth round at that. Then I came back with Marquise Brown and my six four. You want to talk about the target hog, that is him. And if Kyler Murray does come back this year, we know Marquise Brown can also hit those big plays once he makes his return as well. So that's what I was thinking with Marquise Brown. What do you guys think about Darren Waller and Marquise Brown? I think it's a great combination, honestly. I've been loving Darren Waller in drafts this year. I feel like he's not going to where the hype is for him potentially with the big target share in this offense. And it's being lower than it usually is, which is great. Uh, so I think you have a stud tight end there who could see over 130 targets in an offense that has basically just slot wide receivers and Hollywood Brown. I've been loving Hollywood Brown this year. You know, you saw him the first six games prior to DeAndre Hopkins. He was a top 10 wide receiver for fantasy football and seeing big target shares week in and week out and no more DeAndre Hopkins. There's really no one there that will compete with targets. Hollywood Brown and hopefully Kyle Murray comes back because that's going to be obviously even a better situation for him. But he should be really keen for a big season. All right. On my side, Chris went with two attack Lavoa quickly after Justin Fields. Looking to lock in QB one play one way or another. Two guys, though, that will be making big splashes here. It looks like me and Chris are adopting somewhat of a similar strategy as this draft goes on. We'll get into that in just a second. Danielle, you come with Javante Williams. Did I win you over on Javante Williams? Because you weren't so big on Javante Williams a week ago when we talked. Yeah, I'm slowly becoming more keen of him. And what really sold me about this when I was looking at my options that were available, I really kept up with the notifications that are coming out specifically today about how terrific he has looked during training camp and how he's going to play during preseason. It seems like all good news coming from him. And I've been reading everything that has been coming out about him. It says he looks great. looks almost good as new. It seems like, so I am hoping for the best, honestly, for this pick, but um, I've just heard really great things coming out of this training camp for him, which is a really good sign. And I can feel pretty confident going into the season now. So I'm starting to be one over on him. What? You didn't see that coming? <laughs> All right. We got Steve. He comes back. Brandon Ayuk. Steve, walk me through Brandon Ayuk. Man, I'm having a really hard time finding a comfortable place 
to rank him. On one hand, he's a wide receiver who's very talented and is coming into his own by all accounts and heading into a contract year. On the other hand, nobody in San Francisco touched the ball that consistently when it comes to the pass catchers. So where are you at on him? You taking him in the sixth round? Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, I feel like he has been getting better every single season. You look at his numbers, they've improved every year with what, five or six quarterbacks over his three-year tenure at this point, I feel like he is becoming the better overall wide receiver than what Debo Samuels is giving them. Debo Samuels hasn't been able to stay on the field. Neither has George Kittle. You're hearing about all the – I mean, again, I don't want to take training camp too seriously, but, I mean, you have to hear that he is being the best player on the field right now in terms of everyone. And with Brock Purdy seemingly healthy now under full season as the active starter – I'm really excited for him to take another level. He hasn't been able to, yes, in past years for best ball, not a consistent boom player, but I feel like this could be the year for him to really shine in this offense, especially in a contract season when he wants to get paid big bucks. And I think the quarterback situation is finally hit for this team. So, Yeah, that, that's going to be the key. Does the, does the quarterback situation truly hit? Are we going to get what we got out of Brock Purdy last year starting off the season? We'll have to see. He is ahead of schedule. He's knocking off the rust, and he will be there for week one. But the question is going to be, when all everybody's healthy on the field, where is that ball consistently going to go? But he could boom because he is, from a talent standpoint, it ain't going to take much, especially knowing Debo Samuel's injury history so you came back around and you took dallas goddard another one of my favorite tight ends so i've ranked a tight end five and you got him in the seventh round making me look foolish for taking darren waller in the fifth yeah i mean obviously it's even better it's even better value value if you get a tight end later you can that has elite upside status i mean dallas goddard has top five upside just like you're ranking him as a top five tight end right now and he's attached to a very good offense that is continually showing that they're going to be able to throw the ball even more efficiently uh, coming this season here. He was hurt last year at some point. He's got two other targets that kind of gives him that one-on-one coverage up the middle of the field here. Uh, He's probably the last tier in terms of elite tight ends at that point, and I felt like it was important to take him at that time. Yeah, can't disagree with that. We come back to Danielle, and she takes my Rutgers boy, Pacheco, off the board. Yes, obviously there's a huge debate right now on what's happening with the Kansas City running backs, and there's literally no answers to give for that. So I can't really give a a reason saying that he's a number one running back or anything. But I do really like him, and he has a lot of potential to him. There's not really a downside. Obviously, that will be a little bit interesting to see with like the share of who gets what percentage of carries and for the running back uh, competition in the Chiefs. But Pacheco is a great running back. I do really like him. I think he's probably the most talented running back there in Kansas City. So I just think that will edge him over a little bit, and I feel confident about that pick. Yeah, it's it's dicey, but in best ball, I love it. Because in best ball, if Pacheco does hit, if he can take over that lead and be that guy that they can trust in the goal lines and and gets 15-plus carries a game with that offense, he could really soar over his ADP. ADP. On the other hand, if this winds up turning into a three-man committee, who knows? But that's the beauty about best ball. You want to take your shots here and go for those high-end points. Uh, after that, Chris went Deontay Johnson in the seventh round. Tremendous value there. Always a top target. And then this is where I'm going to talk about that strategy that I was kind of going into. Other than Marquise Brown, Devontae Adams to this point, I hadn't really gone too heavy wide receiver. There is a reason for that. While it's been counterintuitive to what you've probably been told by the majority of the industry, when it comes to best ball, I don't have to start sit. You know how many receivers there are who have the potential for pop games throughout the season? I'd rather litter the rest of my lineup with those guys and aim for them later on. So in this situation, I did something else that I was trying to try out. While technically speaking, I would have Dak Prescott ranked as the higher quarterback at that point, I took Deshaun Watson because this is a guy who has top five potential and i want ceiling play who has that potential that's what i want in best ball this is not redraft league i don't want floors i don't care about floors and that's why i came back around took anthony richardson right after that who i ranked in the 15th quarterback and yet i took him in the eighth round because between the sean watson anthony richardson i'm going for pop what do you think It's definitely a choice. Um, Deshaun Watson definitely. It's Deshaun Watson is um, 
is definitely a choice that I wouldn't necessarily have looked at, but I must say he does have that potential there. We know what kind of quarterback he can be. We've seen it before. There's no reason that he can't be that quarterback tier. So hopefully with this new environment finally um, getting adjusted to, and it seems like he looks better already, that um, hopefully you're right and that he's a top five QB. This is Danielle dropping this on me. That's terrible. <laughs> it has potential. It really does. So you never know. Okay. Okay. We'll come back around. Chris went with Cortland Sutton. That's going to be interesting with the Denver situation there. And then Danielle, you took Jahan Dotson. No concerns about uh, Sam Howell? Um, a little bit. Cause I immediately, as I was looking up that pick, I said, wait a minute, who's the commander's quarterback again? Because um, that's how much I pay attention to the commanders, let alone Sam Howell. Um, however, I do really like Dodson. I mean, when you look at his stats from last year, while they weren't necessarily overly impressive, there's clearly a lot of potential to him, and it was only his rookie year last year. So I have a lot of faith in him. Um, obviously very concerned for Sam Howell, but hopefully he can still end up getting some carries. I mean, it seems like if you're going to go to one guy, it could easily be him, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of very iffy about it, but I really do like Jahan Dodson, so I didn't really want to pass up on him. Hey, the guy that have we talk about Christian Watson and his you know seven touchdowns and small samples. Jahan Dodson was pretty much the same thing, I and mean, then pretty much the same amount of games, the same amount of touchdowns uh, with shoddy quarterback play. So we'll have to see how that plays out. You're not wrong there, uh, Steve. You took another one of my guys who I love, especially in best ball, and that's Gabe Davis. People are just sleeping on. Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone was so hyped on him last year. I definitely was. I mean, definitely not the season you wanted for a guy who you thought had major upside potential to rise into a top 20 player. But he's going lower this year, not as high as he probably was. And this is best ball. You know, we talked about the upside that he could bring last season. He dealt with an injury all season long. I think that could have played a little bit of a part. He also had Josh Allen with his injury as well. So all those kind of factors could play the part there. Now you're getting a guy who could put up three touchdowns in a game, but he's also going to put up probably like two catches for 10 yards at one point, but he's going to give you those boom games there. And a guy in this point in the draft here and attached to a high power offense, sign me up. Yeah. I, I, look, he's going to get more than a 50% catch share this year, especially if he's actually going to be healthy and not have the high ankle sprain coming all the way back in week two. They've been talking him up at training camp again, as he's looking like he is taking that next step. Like he knows he has to have that year delivered this season. Nothing changed. Nothing changed in Buffalo. They drafted Dalton Kincaid to be a slot man in the middle at the most, but that's it. It's still Stephon Diggs. It's still Gabe Davis, number two. Gabe Davis, by the way, will have more snaps than everybody else because he blocks. He's always on the field. So nothing changed. And if Gabe Davis can get healthy and be back to what we saw a couple years ago, because that's the other thing that was prevalent is that his separation suffered. I think there's big things in store for Gabe Davis with this offense as long as he can keep that ankle healthy. And then you took another guy I love in best ball. I mean, I'm loving Steve's draft, man. Uh, Rashad Penny. I mean, look, the guy might only play four games, but they might be like four RB1 games. Yeah, no, I, I said no matter what the thing is, best ball, you know, redraft, whatever, I'm not a big RB taker in drafts. I like to take one or two early and then kind of back off a little bit. Here I kind of went one early and then haven't took one in a while. So, you know, Rashad Penny just fits best ball, like you kind of mentioned. Like, he has an opportunity to put up big numbers. I think he's a better pure rusher than DeAndre Swift as overall. You know, this offense thrived under Miles Sanders last year. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to put up some really big boom weeks. But, again, you might get that for six games, four games, and then he's out the rest of the year. But in those four or six games, he's going to give you some elite numbers. So, I like it a lot. Jamal Williams goes to Danielle trying to find some magic from last year there. I'm hoping, um, I'm really hoping we can bring that magic back. And I'm, my thought process is, is that their offense is kind of not very talented at all. So hopefully Jamal Williams can be the one shining star and really shine for my draft and for the Saints. That is my thought process there is that there's not much going for them. So just hand it off to him and maybe he can just do it all for them and get insane stats. <laughs> 
Alvin Kamara met with the commissioner on Wednesday. We are expecting a suspension. We still have not gotten what that suspension will be just as of yet. But it figures, either way this thing shakes out, at least the beginning part of the season, Jamal Williams will have a Mark Ingram-ish type role, which can be very valuable for fantasy football purposes. Now, the only thing I would be worried about is by the second half of the season, Kendra Miller taking over. Because Kendra Miller is a real player, and he's been showing out in training camp. We'll have to see how this whole thing shakes out but yes jamal williams the man who led the league in touchdowns last year not a bad pick there in the ninth round chris came back and took my cutoff tight end with pat fryermuth in that ninth round pick i like that move and then i came back with a guy who i believe is going to be the number one wide receiver in this newfound baltimore ravens offense and that is zay flowers I don't know what you got left, OBJ. I don't know if it's anything, and I don't know how long it lasts. Rashad Bateman still can't get off the pup list, and our boy Brian Scott, the injured list podcast, wrote, you know, pretty much laid it out for us that he's worried and that he thinks at some point Rashad Bateman either had a setback or is not recovering at the pace that we thought he would. I'm worried about that. Zay Flowers profiles to me like, I'm not saying he is going to be, but like, and Antonio Brown because the way he can run routes and get separation on a consistent basis. And that's the type of guy Lamar Jackson likes to throw the ball to. He's either the big guy like Mark Andrews and just throw it to an area or get the guy that he sees comes open because we still haven't seen Lamar really throw with much anticipation in his career as of yet. So that's why I went with Zay Flowers there. And then I come back all around with Jameson Williams. Now, obviously, this is a second half of your fantasy football because he suspended the first six games. But last time I checked, Jameson Williams is uh, really, 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 really fast. And with Amon St. Brown and that pretty much being the only real target on the Detroit Lions with a team that's going to be playing a lot of dome games come the wintertime, I'm going to take my shots with Jameson Williams making his appearance on the field in a big, big way. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think Jamison Williams, uh, he has a tremendous talent in him. We haven't seen it yet in the NFL, obviously, but if you look back in college, I mean, the man could just take one carry to the house, uh, one catch to the house at any moment here. And you're going to have to deal with the six games, obviously, being suspended. But if he comes back and he's he's on point and ready to go, uh, I mean, you're you're in for some really big games this season for him. Yeah, and then uh, Danielle, you took you took my boy, you took Sky Moore from me. I know. How dare I'm you? Sorry, you honestly really convinced me on Sky Moore when we were talking about the AFC West, just because I, I, I mean, you really convinced me on him because I've always just been like, okay, yeah, sure, but seems like he has a lot of potential, and you were really selling him for this upcoming season. So when I saw him still there, and I was thinking, ah, it would be nice to have another wide receiver why not sky more like why yeah. can't he be the number one guy like what's not other than kelsey i mean who else could it be sky more i'm so i feel very positive you had a very hopeful outlook on him and uh, i'm starting to adapt that uh, adopt that outlook as well so i feel very hopeful about him well it's always a good feeling when you can help change your co-host's mind on a player i mean, I mean look darius tony's hurt already sky Moore looks like he's primed to take the second year leap i love Rasheed rice and you know you'll see why in just a second but uh, ultimately i do worry about andy reed allowing rookie wide receivers to produce in any kind of significant fashion sky Moore has a real chance here and unlike you know you have to say like oh well it's really travis kelsey and they're going to rotate the wide receiver that's going to be true to some degree but we still saw juju have a really good fantasy stretch before, well, he remembered he was Juju Smith-Schuster and he can't run. Sky Moore can run. He doesn't have that problem. So that's where I'm really interested when it comes to him. Then we move on to Steve. And Steve, you went with Devon A-Chain, who has been getting a lot of hype this week in particular in training camp. Oh, absolutely. I had to take one of my Dolphins, of course. I mean, if you look at this Dolphins backfield here, you have two aging veteran players who have dealt with injury problems over their career. Okay, he might not start off early and hot, but at some point during the season, he is going to hit. He's going to hit big, whether it's being the full-time starter or, to be honest, he doesn't even need to. He just gets that second role on the offense or the 1A, 1B portion of it. I mean, he's going to take a lot of things to the house, whether it's on the ground or in the passing game. And the way I'm setting up with these RBs on my team here, I need I need big upside, and Devon A-Chain has big upside. 
Yep, yep. Can't disagree there. It's going to take one play. And that's, that's the best thing about best ball. I only need you to hit one on one play. So I can't even argue with it. And then you took Kendrick Miller, who I just took, who I just talked up. Were you, were you taking notes from me over here? What are you doing? <laughs> no, the way you look at what my team was doing and what was left on the board, there wasn't a lot of ton of uh, running back that was like, I could have got Jamal Williams. Great. Jamal Williams is a nice floor guy potentially this year. I don't really like him as an upside play. Kendrick Miller, depending on how long Alvin Kamara is out, has major opportunity in this offense here. I mean, we could be looking at the the next Alvin Kamara in terms of a career guy who was at third string, now jumps up to the one and just dominates for an entire year as a rookie. And I, again, I like this play coming out. He has a tremendous upside to his game here. He's in a situation where he could end up taking over as a lead role early on without Alvin Kamara in the offense. So made sense. Just- Jacoby Myers comes off the board with Danielle. I don't know about oh. Jacoby Myers in a best ball league, Danielle. You know, it was a questionable pick. We're getting down to some, some desperate choices here. Um, as I'm trying to make a desperate choice right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, while you figure that out and you explain yourself, Chris did go Jared Goff. I do like that. He's also a good best ball quarterback, especially when he's at home. Remember, 29 or no, 23 touchdowns to six touchdowns in his home away discrepancy. That's the type of guy you don't want to have to make those start sit decisions on. And you don't in this type of league. I came back with Rasheed. Rice. I like his versatility a lot. He can play inside and outside. If for some reason the Sky Moore thing doesn't work out, I'm not expecting Marquez Valdez Scantling to open up his targets. I'm not expecting much out of Kadarius Tony, as you can see in my rankings on BilletFantasySports.com. But I do think Rasheed Rice at that point could be a default guy who has a nice skill set, runs good routes, and can be featured all over the field. There's a pathway for him, and I wanted parts of that Chiefs offense if I can get it, even if it's late. Then I came back with one of my favorite best ball tight ends. I'm not big on this guy, or at least not as high on him as most are when it comes to redraft leagues. But if I don't have to choose when to play him, Juwan Johnson, the touchdown machine. Look, his target share between the 20s needs to go up for me to get behind the train that is Juwan Johnson as a top 15 tight end in redraft leagues right now. But as a guy that I don't have to try to figure out, is it going to be a Taysom Hill red zone day? Is it going to be a Juwan Johnson red zone day to pair up with my Darren Waller? Yeah, I like him a lot in that situation. What do you guys think about those picks? Yeah, if you're not, I mean, if you don't need to choose one to play him, I think it's a great pick because you know, with these unreliable tight ends, I would say, and in the world where we're living in with um, if you're not Kelsey, you know, it's just kind of another name on the board. <laughs> it makes things a little bit hard. So um, completely understandable. And I, I, I like it. Chris came back with Raheem Mostert, which is starting to look like a more viable pick since Dalvin Cook is still not signed. And then Danielle rolls the dice again at running back and takes somebody who's not even on a team at the moment in Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. Um, first of all, I've just taken a lot of chances here with my team. Very um, out there, hopeful for the years. Well, by um, the way, taking shots like that out of the box, that's, that's kind of how you win best ball tournaments. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta test some things. You gotta go big or go home, you know? So that's what I'm going with here. Ezekiel Elliott, I know he has a lot of potential. He's a great running back. I, not great. Good running back. He's a good running back. And I'm assuming that he'll end up somewhere, hopefully soon. Otherwise, this was a wasted pick. But um, I'm assuming that there's somebody who's in desperate need of any type of running back. And it should be really interesting to see where he goes. But I think he could be a very good running back. We've seen even last year he got 12 touchdowns. Wasn't necessarily the biggest and best year for him, but it was still a good year got up some decent numbers. So, you know, I'll roll the dice. Assuming he signs, he's going to get that role. He's going to get the red zone goal line, short yardage role and kind of similar to Leonard Fournette, where it's not efficient, but because he is a good pass protector, he can open up a bigger role for himself in that sense. So I don't hate the pick there. Actually. Uh, when we go to Steve, he goes with tank Bigsby. And this is a guy that, and not just in his situation, but what he could or could not mean to Travis Etienne is somebody who has my eye on him quite a bit. Oh, I mean, if you haven't heard about Tank Bigsby, you're, you're not watching any news right now uh, about training camp because he has been all over the place in terms of excitement. The coaches love him. 
He's shown big, big plays up the middle. Someone who's just knocking over defenders. I mean, I'm really excited how they use him in the offense this year. You know, I could expect a, you know, I could expect this uh, carry share to be a lot more closer to, you know, 55, 45 than it, than a 65, 35 kind of workload. I think Tank Bigsby really gets into the motion here uh, on, on this Jags offense here and really can pound the ball up the middle, see big opportunities, score touchdowns on this team. Oh, catch the ball in the backfield. He was doing a tremendous job doing that too. Uh, so I'm really excited about Tank Bigsby. I think there's a tremendous upside in his play for his rookie season. So I'll, I'll take him with my fourth or fifth running back. Well, especially if there's an injury to Travis oh. at the end too. Uh, that would be the other key there. Of course. Yeah. I mean, he was injured already once in his career in the NFL. And so, and he actually was injured last year too. He got a little banged up last year, even though he didn't miss, I don't think he missed the game, but he got banged up. So anything's possible. Yeah, no, 100%. It just, it's funny right now. Peter, Peterson is the reason why I don't want to touch Travis Etienne with where he's going in ADP right now and why I actually have him ranked at 22, nowhere near the top 13 area in which he's being drafted at because Peterson's going to rotate guys. He could talk about going getting Etienne for 1,600, 1,700 yards, but then at the same turn, they're talking up how Tank Bigsby is going to have a significant role. Well, the two can't be the same. They both can't be true. So, and, that, and Peterson just has that history of when he has guys to go to, he will rotate. Remember, this is the same man who would rotate the the Boston Scots and the 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 you know I think it was Jordan Howard they brought back the one year and the Miles Sanders. This is what he does, uh, and that's why I don't necessarily trust guys like Travis Etienne and love Tank Bigsby back there in that twelfth round. You came back with KJ Osborne, which I do think is an interesting pick. Yeah, I mean, I I love KJ Osborne. I, I feel like he is being underappreciated, obviously because of uh, Jordan Addison arriving to the team this offseason here, and he's done he's done nothing but put up solid numbers each and every single year uh, over the last three seasons here now. And you know, no more Adam Thielen. Everyone is assuming that Jordan Addison is just going to come in day one and, and be this elite player for this team, which he could absolutely well be. But it also it could also be. Osborne early on. Osborne knows the offense very well. This is a pass-heavy team here. And he had nine, nine, over 90 targets last year. And there were 100 vacant targets with Adam Thielen. So I don't really see his target share going down. He's not going to lose a bunch of targets. He should still see 80-plus targets in this offense here. I, I don't see why not. They're a pass-first team here. They lost their stud running back that was a much better pass catcher than what Alexander Madison is going to give them this season here. So, I mean, in this place, I feel like there are weeks where he's going to have some boom weeks for this uh, Vikings offense. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. Uh, I like KJ Osborne a lot. I like his talent. I like his fit in the system. We don't know what Jordan Addison's going to be right away. So this is somebody who might have a bigger target share than people are necessarily expecting. Danielle, you go with Zay Jones. No odd man out for you here. I really like Zay Jones. And when you honestly, I mean, look at the Jaguars offense, it's definitely not the most powerful thing you've ever seen in the world. So it's definitely a good possibility that Zay Jones does get a lot of carries. Lawrence looks like he should be really great this season. And if he is going living up to his full potential, Zay Jones should on paper then also be able to reach his full potential, assuming that he goes to Jones a lot. Um, we've, we could see easily some big games from him this season. I feel like this is going to be a good year for him. It's not too old either. So it seems like he's pretty young. He can bounce back. He won't necessarily be injured a lot. It seems like, so I feel like there's a pretty reliable pick to put at that round. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you'll, Zay Jones is one of those guys. Everyone's counting out because they expect Calvin and Ridley to go off, but maybe it's, just, I'm gonna say, maybe it's just Evan Ingram who doesn't, somebody has to get left out. But it might not be right. Zay. It might be Evan Ingram. I feel like it, it could be Ingram. I mean, when you look at him, it's definitely not anywhere close to being the best tight end in the league. And he's very, he's just very okay. And I feel like Zay Jones has a lot more potential than Ingram does. While Calvin Ridley is a great wide receiver. Also, I don't know, just being off an entire year too. I mean, who knows? 
Uh, Chris, he goes with Romeo Dobbs, who's been actually touted as the number one safety blanket for Jordan Love this year. So I think that's a really good pick there in the 13th round. And I came back with Jeff Wilson. Until Dalvin Cook does, if, if he even does, sign with the Miami Dolphins, this is going to be a split between Moster and Wilson. And Wilson, typically speaking, with Mike McDaniel, has played a little bit more than Raheem Moster because he seems to trust him a little bit more in pass protection. Plus, we know Moster's injury history. If this thing ever dwindles down to just one or two backs in that Miami backfield, that's a lot of value. Look at Raheem Moster last year, who managed to stay healthy, and up until Jeff Wilson got traded to the team, was a high-end RB, too. So I'm going to take my shot there with Jeff Wilson needing some running back depth because I've pretty much neglected the position since I took three of them in the first four rounds. Uh, and that's why I came back with him. And then Van Jefferson, this guy I have been, I think I've gotten him in every single draft that I've done. When you come back around that 14th round, somebody besides Cooper Cup has to get targeted and Cup's now dealing with the hamstring injury. So he'll even get more reps to become that guy. Jefferson's finally healthy this year. I do like his fit with that system as a number two wide receiver. Somebody who can hit a big play will be set up in that offensive system to do so. I'm just I'm going for a guy that I think might get wide receiver two or three level target share that people just aren't talking about. Let me get your guys take on those. Um, I mean, not a big fan of the Jeff Wilson pick. No offense, Dan. No offense. Um, you it know, is I, your team, so I would like to know. Yeah. I mean, the way I see it, I've watched a lot of Dolphin football last year, and you know, there's opportunity for sure. And if Raheem Mostert gets hurt, Jeff Wilson is likely the next man up and to be the main back here. But he's also had his injury concerns over the years as well. You know, he's not a young running back. He's just 27 already. And, you know, the one thing I like about his potential, you know, there's well, the running back. even older. Oh, most is the 30 now, 31. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just don't feel like there's a lot of opportunity for rushing touchdowns unless Jeff Wilson is going to create one on his own because too many times I watched last year, which is great for obviously the, the passing game, but the Dolphins will get down to the three-yard line and they're they're finding a way to pass the ball. They're not going to run the ball in. They're they're doing out route, Jalen Waddle, and boom, touchdown that way. So there's not enough opportunity for me to see that the running backs, so again, this is a later pick. Not a bad pick, obviously, in that sense, but there's not a lot of upside, I believe, in Jeff Wilson. And then Van Jefferson is probably super slept on a guy who had, what, 900 yards two seasons ago, and now there's no Bob Woods, Cooper Cups on the aging end. I mean, he's prime 26, 27-year-old wide receiver right now, so it needs someone to get targets. So it's a great pick in the 14th round. Okay, okay. So we balanced it out here, according yeah. to Steve. I'll take, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Chris goes to Michael Gallup. I do like that pick in the 14th round. This is a guy that made some big plays later on. And as the third receiver with Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb there, he's going to be getting the team's third best cornerback. That's a matchup that's going to lead to some big games. I do like that pick there out of Chris. Daniel, you come back with Dawson Knox, the man nobody seems to want to touch because of Dalton Kincaid. But I like this pick because, one, Dawson Knox is still good in the red zone. And, two, he's still going to play more than the rookie. Yes, he's definitely going to play more than the rookie. And when you when you look at his his red zone abilities, I mean, it is it's insane the amount of times that they just don't touch Knox at all throughout the season, and then all of a sudden they find themselves in the red zone. And they're like, you know what? We're going to go to Knox for the first time in the last three games, and you're like, oh, okay. So he kind of comes out of nowhere, but when they use him to his fullest potential, he is actually really good, and he has some really big boom games throughout the entire year. He might not be consistently great, and he might not be putting up the biggest numbers every week, but you know what? He'll have a few really large games throughout the year, so I feel like it was a pretty solid pick to put in the 14th round. Okay, okay. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Uh, Steve, uh, we, we, am I going the right direction here? Now I'm getting all confused. Yes, I am. Alec Pierce, who was somebody who I actually had an eye on. Uh, he goes off the board here with you in the 14th round. I don't know how many games it's going to be, but Richardson is going to throw the ball deep. Alec Pierce is the deep threat that they have. It's got to hit at some point. Yeah, and that's, that's part of the reason why I took him at this point. I mean, I looked at it, I was like, you know what? I could see a handful of games from Alec Pierce, and, and most of them are just, what, two catches for 90 yards on a bomb play from Richardson? I mean, you, you saw it in practice already. He threw a 60-yard bomb to him once already. I mean, I feel like there's opportunity here. I mean, there's not a ton of pass catchers on this offense here. They might not have a running back for the season, so we'll see about that. But they're going to throw the ball a little bit. And even so, even if it's not Richardson, Gardner Menchu showed last year that he has the ability to throw the ball and throw the ball downfield. In a few games he played, I mean, he showed that he could pass the ball for a ton of yardage, and Alec Pierce is a perfect play 
to use in that situation here. So whether it's Richardson or Gardner Minshew, you might get a good handful of games in best ball at Alec Pierce. All right, and then your next pick, which we're going to cut this at the 15th round here, you went with Mike Gusecki. That's somebody who I was on until I heard Hunter Henry was the one lighting it up all camp long. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, Hunter Henry does has a connection with uh, Mac Jones, so don't don't uh, don't discredit that. He he has been pretty good with him since he's been in New England, but uh, you know, someone has to step up in this offense. Though. I still think this potential for Mike Gusecki to to have a couple big games in this offense here. I'm not thrilled with what juju i'm not you know no Devontae parker and there's no one there that i can see that's going to consistently have high target shares and i think at times mike Kosicki could be one of those guys that sees a big game here and there as like my backup tight end hopefully the week that uh i forget who my tight end is at this point uh oh when Dallas Scott is out for a game uh mike Kosicki will hopefully have a big game then so <laughs> Yeah, let's hope the roll of the dice goes that, that easily. Yeah. Daniel, you get what might be the steal of the draft because I love DJ Chark and it's the 15th round and I saw his name come up on your board and I was actually surprised he was still there. Yeah, I was surprised too. And when I saw him, I said, wow, I'm not going to pass this up. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not necessarily super thrilled about this Panthers offense, nor am I super hopeful that Bryce Young is going to have a great year. However, DJ Chark is still a great or a wide receiver and especially grabbing him in the 15th round I feel like that's kind of a steal I'm not going to say that he's going to be like the best wide receiver ever but he can be a pretty good guy get up some solid points so I'm not necessarily too mad about the pick um I felt like I was pretty pretty excited about that when I saw him come up Jalen Hyatt goes off the board to Chris another big play wide receiver who could have a pathway to major play time so that nice little pick there and then I decided you know you know I had Juwan Johnson already I got to protect myself with Darren Waller's injury history I'm just gonna go ahead and take Taysom Hill why decide when I'm gonna get Juwan Johnson and Taysom Hill games I'm just gonna get them both and call it a day that's what the beauty is of best ball. So like I said, we are going to cut it here at the 15th round. So let's let's review it here a little bit. Steve, your draft, you went Jamar Chase, Tony Pollard, Garrett Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Dallas Goddard, Gabe Davis, Rashad Penny, Devon A-Chain, Kendra Miller, Tank Bigsby, KJ Osborne, Alec Pierce, and Mike Isecki. How do you feel about that draft? feel really good about it, honestly. I feel like I have a nice, a nice mix of players here. Definitely some players that present some big upside. Again, I'm going to need one of these young rookie running backs to hit to really give me enough confidence because obviously you can't trust Rashad Penny for 17 games. But uh, outside of that, I mean, I, I like what I have overall. Honestly, I'm, I'm thrilled with this draft. Okay. And then what about your strategy there? When you're looking at it, you're just going value-based? For best ball? Yeah. For, in, this, in this draft here, what, what was your strategy approach? Um, it started off value-based. I'm going to take the value that I can see here, and then eventually uh, – Eventually, I moved into upside. I mean, at some point, best ball is all about upside. And early on, I took players that I liked, players I knew they were going to give me consistent production that mostly were high. And then, again, back after Gabriel Davis and down, it was you know a lot of players that have big upside but have not high floors. So uh, that's kind of how I do it. Consistency early on and then just straight upside after that. Okay, Danielle, you went Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs, Devonta Smith, Justin Herbert, Drake London, Javante Williams, Isaiah Pacheco, John Dotson, Jamal Williams, Sky Moore, Jacoby Myers, Ezekiel Elliott, Zay Jones, Dawson Knox, and DJ Chark. How'd you feel about that? Uh, I feel I feel pretty good looking back. Uh, after some picks, I was like, ooh, right afterwards, but I've settled into it now and. I think my first five picks are like the really solid ones. And then it kind of gets into the like, okay, this is going to be a toss up. But like, I feel very hopeful about all those other players that I said were toss ups. And hopefully we just kind of hope for the best and that they do their jobs and they project to be as good as I um, am projecting them to be. Uh, for me, I was it was just a recap. It was Bijan Robinson, Devontae Adams, Jameer Gibbs, Joe Mixon, Darren Waller, Marquise Brown, Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson, Zay Flowers, Jamison Williams, Rasheed Rice, Juwan Johnson, Jeff Wilson, Van Jefferson, and Taysom Hill. Uh, I overall I feel pretty good about this. The only thing I will say is I went strong with the running backs. I didn't get a fourth running back that I feel great about. I take Jeff Wilson when there's there's a, a a way for him, a pathway for him to become relevant. 
Uh, I will say this, though, at the 15th round of a 22-round draft, I would have taken guys like probably Malik Davis and take some of those handcuff pop guys to try to help balance that out later on in the draft. But as far as cutting it from the 15th, I feel pretty good about it. I didn't go with a stack. A lot of people tell you to go with stacks, and that is something I try to target every once in a while. But when the board fell this way at nine, I feel like you got to kind of get creative. You get caught in the spots where it's going to be too high to necessarily take some of the quarterbacks you want to take, but it's also too low to sit here and say, like, I couldn't pass on B. John Robinson at the ninth pick. And then I was able to get Devontae Adams in the, the two four. And once I had those two guys as my staples, I felt like I just take guys that are like, who's got to have the biggest games? And I just went over off of that so there's a lot of ways to approach it one of my favorite sayings is that any draft strategy it can be a winning strategy if it's executed with the right players uh overall though feeling pretty good about the overall balance of that team and like i said with the running backs i don't mind going early especially in best ball leagues now a redraft it might turn out to be a little bit different in full point ppr but in best ball i don't mind because look at these receivers marquise brown zay floor of zay flowers jameson williams rasheed rice van jefferson you just need two of those guys to have pop-off weeks and they're all in situations where they have those abilities to do so so i like the receivers later in best ball leagues a lot more now you get in redraft and we're going to be transitioning to that starting next week that's where it becomes a little bit different story. You got to do start sits. You got guys who have floors, and that's where you're going to see our draft strategies change. But that was the last best ball mock draft of the year. Guys, it was a great one. Steve, I want to thank you for coming on to the show, man. What do you guys got coming up over there? Where should people follow you at? Yeah, guys. So, uh, Dan, appreciate you letting me jump on. Daniel, it's a pleasure meeting you tonight. Um, you know, you should just see us over at the fantasy coaches here. Uh, we'll be doing two, uh, two a days, uh, coming up in here in August. So we do put two podcasts in one day. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of obviously redrafts that's going on a lot of different cool, uh, ways that we're going to go about looking at drafts and break it down by sections and go in that route there. So if you could check us out over uh, on our YouTube channel at the fantasy coaches or over on Twitter at coaches fantasy. All right. It's the, uh, you're not going to be at the expo next week. I won't be at the expo. No, no, no. I keep, I keep putting it off. I need to go next year, though. I promise next year. One, one of these years, we got to get you out there. It's next week, by the way, guys. If you're going to be around the Canton area, or you have the opportunity to get out to the Canton area, please get out there. We will be. The Belly of Fantasy Sports has a booth again for the second year, uh, and I'll be out there all weekend long living it up. I got the poker tournament. I got the cornhole tournament. I got the flag football tournament. I got the draft night out. I got the booth. I got the parties. I got. I, I literally don't think I'm going to be stopping for a single second from the time I arrived there Thursday night and on and we will be back next Thursday night for an arrival at the Expo episode and a full point PPR mock draft. Danielle, what are you going to be up to? I'll be up to Falcons training camps all the time. Um, they're going to Miami, though, so I will have a little bit of a break next week to hopefully join back up again next Thursday. Well, we look forward to that. Guys, we'll see you next week. Make sure you subscribe and download the podcast on your favorite podcast app.